welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for being with us. When it comes to higher education, the number of students enrolling is down. What's driving this decline? Crane's higher education reporter Amy Marone has been taking a look at the numbers for a series of reports she's doing for Cranes, which you can read at cranescleveland.com. And she joins us today to share some of what she found. Amy, thanks for being with us today. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. You wrote higher education has reached a turning point. Is it really that drastic? Well, uh, yes, I think so. I think it's important to note that there are a lot of things going on in higher education right now. And there's not just one reason why we're experiencing uh, a turning point and from uh, this series of pieces, a turning point regarding enrollment to be falling. There's, you know, if here in Northeast Ohio, things are mirroring national trends, but there are other reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing. You know, there's distrust in higher ed from some groups uh, as a whole. There's more com- competition from a bustling job market. Uh, there's high costs of college, etc. And it's important to note, too, higher education doesn't just mean a degree from a two-year institution or a four-year institution. We're talking certificates and credentials. So there's a lot of choices that people have uh, right now. So it's kind of a, a perfect storm, so to speak. We'll dive into some of these reasons as we continue our conversation. But what did higher education look like in terms of enrollment prior to the pandemic here in Ohio? For sure. So there were about more than 700,000 students enrolled at all of Ohio's private, public, and for-profit institutions in 2010, according to one estimate. And then about a decade later, that number fell to less than half a million. Plus, the state's already been dealing with a declining amount of traditional-aged high school students. You probably or maybe have heard of something called the demographic cliff that people are often talking about. So that kind of started around that time as well. Before we dive into some of these numbers and, and reasons, what about people who say, well, okay, I'm not college age. My kids aren't college age. What do I, why do I care if enrollment is up or down? It's important to note that higher education, I mean, to me, it's the best beat to cover, though I'm biased, but I think it's the best beat to cover because it intersects with so many other things, politics, economics, quality of life, But, you know, getting a degree can really influence all kinds of things that matter to a community, aside from just that individual impact. I'm talking things like how civically engaged citizens are, all the way to people's life expectancies. So that really impacts, you know, a town, a city, a region, a state, and a country. When we talk about drops in numbers, do they vary by institutions, uh, institutions that are more selective, perhaps? Did they see the same sort of decline that institutions that are more apt to let more students in? Or is it all about the same? That's a great point. So uh, the enrollment declines are not all being felt equally or have not been felt equally across the board. Highly selective institutions, we're talking, you know, Ivy Leagues, et cetera, they uh, did not see the the drastic fall that other institutions did but uh, here in northeast ohio community colleges were some of the hardest hit and that mirrors national trends too so people at two-year publics enrolled at far fewer numbers or returned at far fewer numbers than other institutions what's driving this distrust of higher education i was not aware that this was a reason that people were not going to college as frequently that they distrust these institutions 
<laughs> That's the million dollar question, right? So uh, I, again, there's not one specific answer, but there's been a shift, I think, in the national conversation happening as well. Uh, I think I, I pulled some statistics from a morning consult poll in my uh, forum piece that showed that Gen Z especially was see, was not uh, trusting these institutions at the same rate as we saw before and also party lines as well. The trust differs between those party lines. It looks like, again, according to an August 22 report from Morning Consult, that about 18% of Democrats tended not to trust the country's colleges compared to 33% of independents and 43% of Republicans surveyed in that report. It does raise an interesting question, though. I mean, you, perhaps you say, well, I, I don't trust my history teacher because he's teaching history this way or that way. But if you want to be a doctor, what's the difference? <laughs> right, right. That is for sure. One of the things we've talked about, you mentioned, is this issue of a, a, a more robust job market, uh, is the fact that these, these wages have gone up on a lot of jobs that didn't pay all that well are just getting people to say, maybe I don't need college. Maybe I can just do this. Yes, definitely. And we talked a little bit earlier about how not all of the uh, enrollment declines have been felt equally, and that aligns with a lot of uh, the job market, especially when we're talking about those who are at two-year publics. When I've talked to people who work at places like Tri-C, Cuyahoga Community College, uh, many students were choosing to go into the workforce. And I mean, there are, we've seen such an increase in jobs. I've heard specifically a lot of people have talked about Amazon. It's really, and this is at two-year and four years, uh, institutions. It's hard to compete with a place like Amazon, uh, you know, like the North Randall facility. They recently were advertising rates of up to nearly $18 an hour. So some students say, hey, let me go get this job or some uh, would-be students say, let me work for a while now and then I'll start college later or I'll return later. But it's, you know, oftentimes harder to start or rejoin or re-enroll in college once you've already been uh, in the workforce. So it's, again, the, kind of the TLDR is it's hard to compete with such a, a robust job market right now. Is Ohio's declining population also an issue? The state is not growing. Yes, <laughs> that's a big one. And so I know I've talked with some people at institutions that are trying to market outside of Northeast Ohio, and that's kind of a little bit of a long game. It takes time to break into markets in, you know, say, Western New York or Western Pennsylvania. So the efforts are there, but uh, it might take a minute to see some of those uh, return on investment, so to speak. Is the pandemic still playing any kind of role in this decline? I mean, there was a period, obviously, where people didn't, were not comfortable being in classrooms or didn't want to learn virtually. Is this still a problem that's causing a decline? I think it's important to note when we talk about the pandemic that, again, similar to enrollment declines, not all groups, not all institutions have been hit uh, the same way. We know that the pandemic uh, disproportionately impacted people of color and or women. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, as you know, we go forward that the pandemic, you know, didn't exist in the vacuum. So some of the impacts we could see or will see will be continuing for a long time. We're talking with Amy Morona. Amy is our higher education reporter here at Cranes. She joins us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. Amy has a series of articles in Cranes talking about the decline in enrollment here in higher education. Amy, is there any ever, ever effort to try to get people who maybe were in college for a couple of years and dropped out to try to get them to come back? Yes, Dan, actually, you hit the nail on the head. That's one of the biggest efforts that's happening right now. Uh, there's more collaborations happening between 
institutions here in Northeast Ohio. And one of the biggest ones is though uh, reaching out to those with quote, some college no degree. So people who have taken some classes, but never have actually uh, finished and earned a, a degree. So there's a big push right now to get those people back into the classroom. And there's a collaboration between all of the four-year publics and the two-year uh, publics as well to work together, to reach out to people and uh, try to bring them back. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Inflation certainly is an issue, but what's driving some of these, this increase in cost that's making it so prohibitive for people to go to school? Yeah, that uh, I know I said earlier there was a million dollar question. There are apparently many million dollar questions. That's another big one. Uh, the cost is, you know, much more expensive now than it was years ago. So, uh, again, many factors that are going into why college is expensive, but uh, it's kind of the, the state of the union right now, so to speak. But I think it's also important, too, to mention there that um, – some colleges are expensive, right? It's not uniform uh, across the board. Well, I had never heard of the College Credit Plus program. I wasn't familiar with that. What is that? So that is essentially a dual enrollment program that is offered here at the state level. And that means that uh, your high school students can take classes, college level classes, uh, either you know at their own high school or uh, at a nearby college or online as well. Uh, to earn some college credits before they actually graduate high school. That's a great bride. I was not familiar with that. Is that a fairly recent uh, invention? <laughs> so dual enrollment has existed for a while, uh, for years actually, but it recently went under a, a rebrand to have this name of College Credit Plus. And so uh, I reported on the, uh, a recent report from the state auditor that found that, you know, the program is doing well in what it's doing now, but it could actually be reaching and serving far more students. So uh, it'll be anxious or I'll be anxious rather to see how the Ohio Department of Education, as well as the Ohio Department of Higher Education can collaborate to uh, get that to happen. One of the things we've talked about many times on the landscape with various business leaders is this need for an educated workforce here in Northeast Ohio to fill the jobs that we have that are still open. Now, you mentioned the many different things that are good reasons why this is an important discussion, but what about the issue of just lifetime earnings? How does this affect what, if you go to school or you don't go to school? For sure. So I think that actually kind of goes back to when we were talking about how the uh, workforce uh, really can draw you in right now with these big, you know, $18, $19 an hour jobs, but some of the educators and leaders at local institutions really try and uh, reiterate about the median lifetime earnings that uh, you can earn over the course of your career if you uh, attend a post-secondary program. One report uh, had about uh, reported $900,000 more in median lifetime earnings for men and about $630,000 uh, for women, of course, there's that wage gap there. But definitely, uh, in some cases, you know, having those degrees can bring in far more uh, money over the course of your career than than not. You talked to a lot of different Cleveland residents for this report, this series of reports you've written for Cranes what, and their post-secondary uh, journeys. What stood out to you from some of those conversations? Oh, for me, it really was just how personal higher education can be. And these conversations are, are fascinating. And I felt like for many people that I talked to, having those conversations actually maybe made them take pause and reflect and think a little bit more, um, you know, about their journeys. But I think uh, I talked to 
as you mentioned, a variety of people, different ages, different races, different genders all across the board. And, you know, it was just really fascinating to hear about uh, what people did, what they would do differently and how those, uh, you know, uh, those roads have taken them to where they are today. Are the reasons that people go to college, has that changed in any way? I mean, at one point, was it more about just the gain of personal knowledge and then it became an issue of this is an economic driver? Has it changed why people go to college now as compared to when we went 30, 40 years ago? For sure. So uh, I was talking with Jonathan Wainer, the vice president and dean of admissions and enrollment management over at Cleveland State. And he pointed out a national survey of full-time students that's been going on for, you know, like over 50 years. And he said that, uh, and then I, you know, of course, read the report to back this up. Uh, but in the 70s, people identified, you know, several of their top reasons for going to college. It was that was things like, you know, going to get a better job or gaining a general education, appreciation of ideas, uh, maybe to learn about things they found interesting. All of those types of reasons occupied a pretty similar slice of the pie. And it's important to note, too, there that, you know, college was far less expensive then than it is now. But then uh, by 2009, which was around the Great uh, Recession, that top reason changed to getting a job. And uh, there was thoughts then that that economic distress led to that change in rationale of getting a job. And we still see that a lot now. I feel like um, many programs and institutions are really hyper-focused on, you know, how many students are employed after graduation and, you know, where they're employed and what types of jobs, which is definitely important uh, data, but that shift over time has been interesting. Now, did your individual conversations with young people that you talked to, did they seem to fall into the categories you described? Uh, so for the young people that I spoke with, all were interested in going to college. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that uh, that was interesting. Some of the young people I spoke with, though, were not interested in staying in Ohio for college or be that the, the weather or, you know, the different institutions that they're interested in, uh, et cetera. I was talking with Maggie McGrath, who is the executive director for the Higher Education Compact of Greater Cleveland. So she talks with far more uh, tradi traditional aged high school students than I do. And she found that there were kind of two camps of students. So the students who had their plans set and their uh, hearts set on going to higher education, they were set. Those plans weren't changing. But the other camp of students who were kind of on the fence, uh, those students, you know, she said that they might have been able to tip the scale with those students to get them to enroll in some type of post-secondary pathway. Uh, there are more questions or doubts right now. And many of those students, to circle back to our earlier points, were choosing to go into the workforce. So finally, you've obviously talked to education leaders, people in administration. Do they have any solutions to try to uh, solve this problem? A third million dollar question here <laughs> in this conversation. Uh, I think that, again, some of the things we've talked about earlier in this conversation are being billed as potential solutions. Uh, we talked about dual enrollment, that college credit plus program. Uh, that could be one solution because students who uh, enroll in those dual enrollment programs 
are more likely or have a higher chance to actually graduate high school and then go on to college. So that could be one one key. And then the other, I would think, is just the increase in collaborations that we're seeing across the board uh, at institutions here in Northeast Ohio. And there is a partnership called the Ohio College Comeback Compact. Say that three times fast. <laughs> But they are the group of uh, public four-year and two-year supported by some other nonprofit uh, organizations that uh, are, are working together to get those students who have some college but no degree back into the classroom. So that's really a partnership that I will for sure be keeping an eye on moving forward. Amy Morona, thanks for sharing all this, all this information. This is a fascinating uh, change of events. So we'll be curious to see how this all plays out. We're always glad when you can join us. Thank you, Dan. Have a great day. Amy Morona is our higher education reporter at Cranes Cleveland. She joined us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Pauletta. We're glad you can join us, and we'll talk again soon.